Hello, and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, episode 65. Ooh. I'm Chris, and joining me today are... Ames, Caitlin, and Jake. <laughs> today we will be looking at Coming of Age. <laughs> coming of Age. <laughs> <laughs> and Heart of Glory. <laughs> Heart of Glory. Hole. <laughs> Wesley Crusher is taking the Academy Entrance exams down Ooh. on <laughs> some planet. It's uh, him and Relbar three... Or some, uh, some bullshit, yeah. Him and three other candidates. They're taking some written tests, and then there's other bullshits, too. They get to play a video game. Yeah. Pew, pew. Meanwhile, Admiral Quinn Medicine Woman <laughs> shows up with some little dick ass from the uh, Hoosie office there, and is all like... There's an investigation, but I'm not telling you what. And this guy from the the whatever office there. What, what is this? Are, what are you introing in like the in the style of Caitlin? What is going on here? I just can't remember the name of the office Remick worked for. Oh, I didn't write that down. Yeah, but um, it was the uh, like the it was basically internal affairs. Yeah, he's basically Starfleet internal affairs, and he's a real prick constantly. He's grilling everyone. There's an interrogation montage. You know, we the audience are sitting there like, oh, is he trying to nab him on this? Is he trying to nab him on that? You know, the short version is that there was nothing wrong and Admiral Quinn Medicine Woman knew that. But he's been seeing, cons- you know, like he's, oh, there's something going on. There's a conspiracy. I don't know if it's from without or from within, but something's trying to destroy Starfleet and the Federation and I had to make sure, you know, I need people I can trust in key positions. So the investigation actually wasn't for anything specific and this poor Remick guy like pissed everyone off looking for something that wasn't there. And then Quinn is all like, you should become commandant of the academy. I need people I can trust close. And Picard is like, it's full of kids. (laughs) <laughs> that was um, my thought, too. Me, too. Meanwhile, Wesley doesn't get into the Academy, but only just. He's beaten out by a guy who really likes vaping. Mm. Uh, how, many L, how many L's are in Mel, Melbar? It's a good question. Three. In Heart of Glory, the Enterprise comes across quite literally the Kobayashi Maru situation, but waltzes right into it, where they find some uh, Klingons having... Uh, you know, being the lone survivors on this weird old freightery thing. And they take them back to the Enterprise. And they're like, oh yeah, we were attacked by Ferengi, but we held them off through trickery. And then one of them dies, and there's a screaming party. And then Worf is <laughs> all, all like... All my parties are screaming parties. <laughs> Worf is all like, oh my god, other Klingons, I'm so excited. And Worf has a boner. And yeah. And they're buddies for a while. And then some stock footage from the motion picture shows up and is all, those guys are actually criminals. And there's a jailbreak and people get killed and soon there's only one Klingon. And, you know, the Klingon's been trying to seduce Worf into being crazy badass separatists with them, but Worf is like, nah, that seems bad. And so, you know, this guy's like pointing a phaser right at the warp core and Worf's like, no. And he shoots him and he dies a warrior's death instead of being executed. (laughs) Secretly, Worf and Captain... Kind of looks like the fat guy from Five, or like, yeah, that's for the best. The fat guy from Five? The the, the Klingon ambassador from Five. Oh, so, like, so you said from Five, and I was like, is Chris like really referencing a UK boy band right now? <laughs> no. 
never even heard of five. Sure you have. Baby, when the lights go out. Oh, that's them. I thought that was NSYNC or Backstreet Boys or Ozone or something. Baby, when the lights go out, every single word could not express the love and tenderness. Yeah, but if the lights are out, you're not looking at her face. See, I always thought that was the one with Justin Timberlake, because the guy does the same horrible nasally singing. No, that's the sound. It's like how everybody in anime sounds like one certain voice type. It's because it's a voice type. Interesting. It's the same with boy bands. They all got to be nasally. Yeah, so I always thought that was Timberlake. No, Mm. no, no. Mm. That's five. They had uh, a couple other hits. It's the thing you. It's the things you do. I think was also uh, you. Doing that thing you do. See what you started, Caitlin. I Doing that thing. I don't actually. Yeah. Good movie. That I like that movie. Speaking of things we do, let's talk about Star. Take wild tangents on this podcast. Absolutely. That we do. That's a Tom Hanks movie. The thing you do. Yeah. Well, we'll just continue to name Tom Hanks movies. He was almost set from Coke. It's also got that young guy in it that looks a little like Tom Hanks. Mm. That young guy. There's like a young version of Tom Hanks. But he's not Tom Hanks. He's a different guy. Mm. He looks kind of like a young Tom Hanks. He's probably not young anymore, and that movie's like 20 years ago. True. All right, all right. Well, what did you guys guys think of Coming of Age? Because I was bored. Um, Yeah, I was kind of bored. I thought it was good. I liked it. You liked it. I did, too. I thought it was... um, I liked it for a couple of reasons. Number one, Wesley fucking failed. <laughs> That's oh. true. I was going to say, they actually gave something, gave Wesley something in character to do. Mm. Fail. And yeah, that never, was nice. It's like... He was a little snot, though. He was. And the fact that, like, it was his personal Kobayashi Maru, because he didn't win, and he never dealt with failure before and Picard had to go in and like make up some story about how he failed which is obvious why Um, Picard would never fail see I had figured I'm jumping ahead but it's what we do I said oh man they must have to do this crazy psych test bullshit because everyone knows what the Kobayashi Maru is now, so, like, mm-hmm. no one falls for it. So they have to tailor each fucking psych test to every candidate? Yeah, yeah which seems... Like holodex, right? Which seems, first of all, like, a lot of work, and also kind of creepy. How much do you have to tell Starfleet Academy if you're applying? Everything, apparently. I guess so. I mean, Melbar looked like he got... Yeah! Kinda, like... Yeah, he had to, like, watch his family drown or something. I was thinking it would be something sexual, but... Oh. I, I thought you can, you can that... You the two. a dildo bike in that room. I thought Wesley was gonna... I, since he... So he gets there, and he's meeting the other three people, and there's, you know, that fucking thirsty girl. That really thirsty girl. <laughs> can't yeah. act for shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's bad. I actually kind of... I said to Chris... How was she a candidate for this fucking thing? The role in the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She uh, couldn't even do the thing with the balls and the grid and yeah, the thing that looked... What an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> fucking idiot. One to one. Which, P.S., I like that neither girl came close. And by like it, I mean I was a little annoyed. But the... Well, especially the Vulcan. She's a Vulcan, for yeah, Christ's sake. Yeah, she should have won. But I was like, yeah, you know what Wesley's thing is going to be? He's going to have to try to unhook this girl's bra and he's going to blow it mm. big time. Oh, yeah. My thing, I, I assumed it was going to be like, he has to, he has to confront a boob. <laughs> That's it, just a boob. There's just a boob. It's a like, oh giant, god. Oh god. one humongous tit. And Have he's we... just like... <laughs> Has it been established in Star Trek canon at this point that Vulcans are smart, other than Spock? 
Because this, now keep in mind, this is the first Vulcan of TNG. And up to this point, the only Vulcans that we really know are Spock and Sarek. And we've seen a few here and there. We've got Spock, Sarek, Valeris, and... We don't have... Savik. We don't don't have Valeris. That's true, though, I guess, because... Oh, right, this is before six. We don't have Valeris. I I guess all we really know is that they're logical, which doesn't necessarily mean you're smart. I mean, I guess it could just mean that... Well, by now we've had four, though. And we see how Vulcans train their minds. Yeah, and, but but those could just be people who are like going to go to the Vulcan Science Academy or something because the plan was for Spock to go into the Vulcan Science Academy and he's like, fuck that, I'm going to Starfleet. Yeah, but So I mean, it could just be... And we only see a couple of Vulcan children. Presumably there's more Vulcan children who aren't doing that. But, but Amanda does say that the retraining of his mind is in the Vulcan way. She made it sound like it's a sort of a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. See, I always got the impression that Spock was fairly exceptional um, in his smarts. I don't know. See, I kept assuming he was like more lackluster because he's half human, and the half human brings him down. I think that just makes the other Vulcans more judgmental. Because like every time we see Vulcans, they're doing some really weird ritualistic shit. They're either doing forced arranged marriages and fights to the death. That's pond, not. That's doing some pond far. Pond faring. Pond faring. What is it called? Kunal. Kunal Kalifi or some shit. Kunalingus? Hakuna Matata. Oh yeah, the uh, the the Kalima. <laughs> no, what the fuck was it? Yeah, I guess. Kunal Kalifi. That sounds right. This yeah. this could just be Kirk's personal <laughs> bias, but they also mention um, you know Kirk insists on oh, a Vulcan yeah. science he officer in TMP, that's which true. gives the impression to the audience that maybe that's the thing. Maybe Vulcans really are just all brainiacs. Conversely, maybe. S- Kirk is just a fucking really superstitious actor well, that's who can't the thing. fly it's, without it. That's the, how it could be interpreted, but I think the way it's ultimately been interpreted over the years, just, just Vulcans are just brain boxes. to that pointy Vulcan cock is what it was. Yeah, with the, with the ears. The cock has ears? We just, we have we have just talking about it's just, it's ages just, ago. Yeah. Oh. Tiny little cock ears. Pyramid yeah. shape. Little cock ears on its little cock head. All right, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. But, it's canon now. But no, you're right. I mean, <laughs> there haven't been a ton of examples, so... I think, like, you're right in that eventually the idea just sort of becomes that Vulcans, by and large, are super smart. Yeah. But at this point, they could have gone either way. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting is how the fuck, if this is the entrance exam, this is the most yeah impossible fucking thing. If, okay, now, as my, however we feel about Wesley, the way the character is written, he's the smartest child that's ever lived. Yeah. Other, ever. other kids are like, oh, we're, we're taking the exam against Wesley Crusher? Well, we're doomed. Yeah, and yeah. little Jake Fuckface didn't even make it to that point. Yeah, he was short by, what, 32 points or something? Whatever. He sucks. Anyway... Um, he does suck, and he looks about 35 <laughs> yeah. to boot. So did bad actor. The girl? Well, yeah. they did make... No. I did like the thing... Well, she didn't look 35, but she looked... She, she did not look 17. 20s. I mean, Wesley's supposed 20s. to be much younger than everybody, yeah, they, so. yeah, they made a point of saying how Wesley is <laughs> No, I know. Too young. The actor still looked too old. But the fact that, like, this is the entrance exam? Yeah. Who the fuck... How the fuck are there so many... And then when we meet some of the other people... We haven't met him yet, but Reg Barkley? Yeah. He did the fucking academy. He went through a psych exam, apparently. Well, let's be real, though. There's probably still nepotism and, like, lots of, like, legacy families and stuff in Starfleet. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish anyone's accomplishments here. I don't know who Reg Barkley is, but he could He's be, he could be from up. a legacy family. That's possible. I'm just saying. It but, is, yeah, yeah, it's still, it's just... Well, like, just speaking as someone that works in higher education, right? Oh, boy. 
I'm from a big school that, to use the parlance, doesn't have trouble filling its beds, which means getting enough freshmen for each academic year. I never have a problem filling my bed. Yeah, I, I should have known With that cool. this was going <laughs> to But, you know, then you've got other schools that have trouble filling their freshman year classes, and I'm just looking at this like, how do you get a full complement of freshmen in Starfleet? You got a huge fleet. You need a lot of officers. How are you filling those roles? But then again, there's also the Federation is enormous. No, I, I know. Was, I was wondering. So they're taking this this entrance exam. They got four kids in a room, and they say, "Out of you four kids, we only have one place. Why? Why is there only one place that that they can take well, it was, only it was one place? Special, and they're all young, right? Maybe they don't want to deal with that many minors on campus. Well, yeah, well, yeah but, but they're exceptional. But, people. Was this some sort of like That's early? True. Was it like an early acceptance? Thing? That was my understanding. Maybe. But concerning the exams, though, it doesn't seem to be important that you get a certain score so much as that you get the top score. So if we assume that, and it's it's a big assumption. But let's assume that the top quarter of performers get in, because that's what happened here, right? I mean, I'm, I'm basing it on what I've got. So maybe, perhaps, people that take the entrance exam, the top 25 percentile get in, and the rest don't. And that's how. Because, apparently, the only reason that Wesley didn't get in is because he took f- four femtoseconds longer than... He also wet himself the, during his psych the, exam. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, there could also be... Did he actually? We, we don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, I, I was like, fuck, did I miss a, a key a key plot device wherein Wesley pissed his pants? But I would guess that it's like a scale or a curve. They it took could, points could, off for of the sweater. Been, it could have also yeah. been some form of affirmative action, too. You know, if, like, I feel if, like Chris made that joke when we were watching the if show. They, if, they want, if they wanted, you know, if Benzite... Yeah, Mordok. Mordok was supposed to be a big fucking deal, The first Benzite in Starfleet. He also came up with the Mordok strategy, which I think got cut from the episode, but I was reading about it. When Wesley meets him, he's like, oh my god, you're the Mordok? Came up with the Mordok strategy? And in the episode, it doesn't say what the the fuck it was. But apparently it was a a move in Benzite chess. Uh. But yeah, but I, I, I just suspect that it's like the kind of thing where you get points based on the work you've done. Like, they can't expect you to know every fucking thing. Why would you go to academy? That that was the thing I found objectionable at the exam, is, like, it seemed like they were testing them on literally all aspects of serving on a starship. Yeah. And it's like... Only Wesley has been on a starship. Yeah, and it's just like... I don't expect the guy who's enlisting in Starfleet to maybe be a navigator to know how to fucking... Unzip a fly. <laughs> like I don't, I don't need them to prove they also know theoretical physics. You know. Right. Well, you know the other thing too. This just make this just reaffirms some of the reasons I dislike the J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek movie hmm. because in that movie, no, oh, just anybody. They, it's just like, and there's also because here's something that that it still hasn't really been established. Other than the fact that we know that there's like crewmen that aren't necessarily officers. Yeah. That Starfleet has an officer class and they have a enlist enlisted class. And we, we learn more about that later, but it does you know, so if, if you think of Starfleet Academy as being like West Point, you know, it's like it's an elite school for gifted people that will graduate and become officers on starships yeah so you can kind of see okay yeah you would have there'd be exclusivity there there would be high requirements except i feel like with the original series you got way more of a sense that yeah there were a lot 
more enlisted staff. Oh, yeah, like the Yeoman. And... But it feels like over the years, and I may just be misremembering because I haven't seen a lot of the newer series recently, but, like, they de-emphasize that more and more and more until sometimes it feels like the only enlisted person in Starfleet is Chief O'Brien. <laughs> like, it feels like nine out of ten people you see did go through the Academy. Yeah. And most of the people you see do have pips. It's true. There well, was, yeah. I did notice in Heart of Glory, there was a, a at least one security guy that had no pips. Well, even in TNG, O'Brien even has pips. That's true. They, they only give him his special thing later. Yeah, it's not like to the, if sometime in the middle of DS9, I think, that they change his thing. Yeah. But, but at any rate, I think... Um, so if you approach it from that perspective, yeah, okay, it makes sense that there would be a high requirement. I still think the test in this is ridiculous. No, it's insane. But I cannot fathom that, you know, Kirk gets into a bar fight and it's and you know Captain Pike shows up and's like you're in sonny well that's the thing though is it's it the impression you get is Captain Pike is has a lot of clout he must and he's able to just kind of go like like honey you were saying with uh legacies it's not exactly a legacy but if your biggest swinginest dick captain says this kid's in the academy you just go oh for fine well, Everybody plus, gets one. But plus George Kirk. Yeah. So, But what about the big galoot that he got into the fight with? Cupcake? Yeah, Cupcake. Like, that guy <laughs> took this test? Like, is that yeah. what I'm to understand? And that's what was the, his greatest fear? He was, reading? He was. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was Academy, too, because he was there yeah. with all the... Yeah. He was... <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was TOS era good. where the test was different. It was all the yeah. Kobayashi Maru. This is TNG. Well, no, no, Kobayashi Maru, that's the thing. In Star Trek II, Kobayashi Maru is like the final exam. That's not the mm. entrance exam. That, that's true. That's, that's like, true. we're about to commission you as an officer. Here's yeah. your last test. That's true. So, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I have a feeling they, they that the exam between TOS and TNG has evolved. Yeah, I'm sure it has, well, it must, but it must not have, to that extent. Because like Chris was saying, after I mean, 100 the, years, everybody knows what the Kobayashi Maru is. Yeah, and the philosophy has changed since, too. It's not all. It's not go down to the planet and, and punch somebody. It's go to the planet and use diplomacy. Yeah. Did Chekhov do this test? <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> he, you know what? You, you know what? He had the undoing a bra psych exam. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he passed That man got colors. so much pussy in that fucking show. <laughs> He was macking on every fucking person. So he could he could unclasp bras with his mind. He got more pussy in two series than I think Check the Kirk ever did. Probably. I really think so. I feel like Chekhov well, was that, always yeah, chasing he tail. Had that Davy Jones hair. So you oh. know, what can you do? But uh, and that sexy accent, so exotic. <clears throat> yeah. So the psych exam too. I had a problem with Wesley's psych exam. In that, I mean, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. But. I think this is the first mention we get of the whole, like, Jack Crusher died because Picard made a choice thing, right? Mm, I think it might be, yeah. Like, I mean, it, was too, it was too bad, I think, more. Well, I was, right, well, was going to say, like, because sort of, Rem, Remick sort of mentions said something it to, to her, her about yeah. it, and then... And that's what I mean, I feel like that was shoehorned in so that they'd have that established. Mm. It's like, guys, if you knew this was coming, why wasn't this maybe dropped earlier and not five seconds before it's necessary? And why mm. didn't you bake a cake? But also, my issue was the way they set up the test wasn't very good because there wasn't really a choice, you know? Because mm. for him, it's like, okay, there's an injured guy and there's a guy who's freaking out. The natural move I think anyone would make is grab the injured guy and just try to talk down 
No, not necessarily no, see, I feel because... Like I, I was telling this to Caitlin, or I was talking about this earlier uh, today. The The idea is you've made a choice, period. Yeah. Anyone could go in that room and be like, I could say, I could drag Galoot out from under the armpits whilst trying to get the other guy out. Or I could stand here and just talk <coughs> at them <coughs> until we're all dead. Mm-hmm. I think that was what the test, the, the proctor, the guy was trying to say, too. It's like, there is no wrong answer. You're right. It's really about... We're, exa- we're evaluating how you responded to the situation. Yeah, I just feel like the it would have been more effective for me as a viewer, at least. Mm. It's just if there seemed to actually be a real sort of like... Because to me, it's like, to me, it would be obvious. Like, yeah, grab the guy who's injured and try to talk down freaky guy. Because he should be able to... And surely he'll come to his senses. Because that's what I would think. Let me remind you, you know this story. You guys probably don't know this story. So when I was like 15 years old, myself and my parents, their two friends and their t- two kids, the friends' two kids, we all went for a hike in New Hampshire. Can you imagine me hiking? I'm sure I was dragged, kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. So we're at this thing, and there's waterfalls and a river and all this shit, okay? <laughs> the little girl who's like, she's a few years younger than me. She's probably six years younger than me or something like this. So she's like nine or ten. She falls... And where she lands, thank God, is there's a place where there's water coming down the mountain and there's like a deep place in where water has like gathered and then spills over, right? Like a fountain reservoir. Mm-hmm. She thankfully falls in there because if she had fallen anywhere else, she would have broken legs. Mm-hmm. Three adults and one child sat and watched while myself and her father at the same time hit the deck and put arms down and pulled her out. Mm. Yeah, well, some people just can't People can't that. do it. Some mm-hmm. people find panic and can't. My point is that not everybody is wired to make a choice in mm. those situations. Some people do the deer in headlights, some people go fight yeah. or flight. And I and and to go in the another direction too, someone wired a certain way might think, well, this guy's legs are fucked and he's fucked. I need to save this able bodied one because usefulness or something. Yeah, but it's the future. You give him a pill he regrows his bones. Also, I guess that's true. Also I like, never cured my bonitis. They also set it up Stupidly, they told him that the psych test is coming. So, yeah, yeah they, if I was if I was running that show over there, I would have been like, okay, your psych test is scheduled for tomorrow afternoon, five p.m. Be in, be in the room, be in the chair at five p.m. tomorrow, and then at two a.m. set off the fucking yeah. Alarm. And they already told that he already learned from from the web fingered guy that he had to yell at that the test can be anything. Yeah. The yeah. chest is not confined to the the fucking room. Yeah. And I just, I just, I don't see how Melbar won. Well, you didn't see any of, of his parts of the test. Well, we saw that he he was obviously not as good at the putting balls in the cube game. But he finished faster because of Wesley's because, yeah, help. If anything, that's a point for Wesley, I would say. Like, well, um, they, they took it into consideration and said Wesley still fucking sucked. I, I, <laughs> I, th- I don't think they did. I actually think, honestly, that Wesley should have been disqualified for that, because that's cheating, in my opinion. Well, then they both should have been disqualified, well, and but, the Vulcan girl should have gotten it. But Wesley's the one who started talking. What's-his-name wasn't like, tell me how to finish but this. also, but, you know, that's another thing. That's... Wesley turned around, looked at his paper, and was like, you're getting that part right. 
But see that here's the thing. See that's the pro, That's the difference between how schooling, how like higher education works, and how people in the real fucking world work. Yeah. Because in the real world, if you're stuck on a problem. Someone should be helping you. Or yeah. if you see somebody that's stuck if you're, on a problem, If you're stuck you on a shuttlecraft by yourself, like, for, well, other than the, our fucking new friend Jake who got himself stuck but on a shuttlecraft yeah, by You call himself. Captain Picard. Yeah, but if you were too far away, he couldn't call, call Picard. He would have fucking died. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You should... Yeah, there's obviously situations where you have to be self-reliant, but I don't think it's... A, a rem, I don't think it's remotely a negative quality in a Starfleet officer to be compassionate and helping somebody. Yeah, no, it feels not. like a very military organization thing to do yeah you know i i agree but i i think in the in that particular portion the important part was finishing it well here's the thing though, you know right? what i mean i think here's my f- perspective on this test hit me with it i would say <laughs> because all of these oh. they've already all tested in that's established yeah. because jakey boy did not make it yeah even the fucking woman did so these people have already de- so presumably the test to take this test was like a sit-down exam. It was like SAT. Yeah, it was shit. like yeah, it was some sort of thing. So they've already tested into that. They've already demonstrated that they have superior knowledge. Yeah. So test the, taking. So abilities. I think that this test is mostly the whole test is a personality test in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because if you look, so other than so the the, the situations we see are the the cube game. Mm-hmm. We also see the the uh, web webbed hand man. Yep. And the psych test. Webbed hand man being the guy he had to yell at. Yeah, the guy he had to yell at. <clears throat> because they take, yeah. What right. was it? So, they took courtesy as an insult? Yeah, something. Stupid. Just dumb. Yeah. Because, honestly, there's no place for that in Starfleet. Bullshit. Um, well, maybe they hired him. He's an actor. Maybe. But they paid him really poorly because otherwise <laughs> yeah. it would have been insulting. Yeah. I did like the two the two quote the two actors they had in the um psychic exam and how they just kind of walk out and they're like, Well, we we totally got you, kid. Great, so long. Great scene. Yeah. Um, but so I would say that like my impression of this test is that it was largely a personality test to see how you would deal with being in these situations. And that's probably, you know, if you're you know, you've you proctored students so would you ever have it would there ever be a situation where there's a graded exam and the proctor walks in and says okay the exam started you're all sitting here and then the the examiner walks out and goes away no right so if it's actually a graded exam and you want to make sure people aren't cheating you can stay in the room and watch what's happening but in this case the guy just walks out so i think Part of that, they're expecting them to help each other. I, I mean, maybe that's well, what they're looking for. They probably have cameras. cameras. There's probably cameras and stuff. But yeah. they, they I are... I don't disagree with your thesis, though. You know, well, and the students are working under the assumption they're not being monitored. Mm. Because Vape Guy does say, like, no, Wesley helped me. And Tester is like, we know. Mm. And they're all like, oh. How would they... Okay, but how fucking stupid do you have to be to not know? You live in the fucking future. Well, they also remember now. This is they don't have cameras in this in Star Trek. There's no there's no way to see what was going on in that room unless they had a blind person with a visor and a special accoutrement in there. Yeah, I was making fun of that too. Wait, what? Are you and, jumping ahead? No, yeah, I'm yeah. In the next episode, I'm making a reference to the next. Jordy's episode. stupid visor. I remember, camera. but what's what do you mean? What do you mean they have no cameras? Because we'll talk about this when we get to it, but. Because I just thought it was so stupid how they're like, oh, we can finally see what's going on on the away mission now that we have this ca- this special a camera attachment for Jordy's visor. 
Oh, when they I could thought, have just had a fucking camera. Oh, I GoPro. thought that I thought that he was able to see something special just with it. I didn't drone. realize yeah, it was they literally they just a camera. Too, they like, should fly a drone in there. Yeah, or again, just give them all body cams. But regardless, yeah, that's, we'll get that's, to that with yeah. the next yeah. episode. Um, anyway, I I think Mordak got extra points for his makeup. His makeup was really good. Yeah, he did have good makeup. It was nominated for an Emmy for makeup. Nice. Really, he looked damn. He looked good. And I liked that he had his little vape machine. Was never explained what it was. It was a breathing. He had it for. Yeah, he needed he, it for the breathing. Yeah, but they didn't like specify. Oh, no, yeah, they, they let they the didn't audio. make a point. Of they it. just made it clear. Yeah, yeah no, that was that was, was sorry. With, I wasn't. I was acting to... instead of the exposition. Yes. Yes, it was a great example of you know showing not telling. Yeah, they did I liked job. it. I quite liked yeah, it. Was that. A cool little he looked touch. damn good. Although one thing I didn't like was that the tubes leading up to it were bright red and yellow. So to me, it was like, is he is he breathing in vaporized ketchup and mustard? <laughs> Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> Fair enough. It comes from the hot dog planet. Mmm, <laughs> I want to go to that planet. That's what hot dogs are made out of. Yep. When his people die, they're ground up. It's they not are em- the truth. They are empty shells. Make them into it's hot dogs. probably better than what hot dogs are really made of, TBH. <laughs> but yeah, um, and, like, and that could also... So, like, so, so the girl who... Suck. Oleana or some shit? Right. Something yeah. like that. Oleana? She, she wasn't Isn't good that at the like test. a fucking. Isn't that like a margarine spread? Mm. That's oleo. Yeah, whatever, same thing. Then there's Olestra, which was that like. The, the oil, diet the stuff oil that, that you poop. gave you poop. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it didn't really make you poop so much as it made liquid fat run out your asshole, but it's not really the same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Oh, God. So one thing that minorly annoyed me, and by minorly, I mean it annoyed me on if I noticed it. Wesley shitting himself. It doesn't involve Wesley. He usually does. Whoever was in charge of costumes <laughs> fucked up this episode. Really? He never had his com badge on. I noticed that. Even at the end when he was on the bridge. On the, right, like, I get when he's off doing the test, he shouldn't have it. But once he's yeah, back like on the ship. Yeah, cell phone off. Yeah. Once he's back on the ship and back on duty, because at the end he's at his duty station. <laughs> duty. He doesn't have his badge. And I was like, where the fuck's his badge? <laughs> Who the fuck let this through? Assholes. I was, I was slightly annoyed. You might that think. was the only thing you had wrong with Wesley? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And here's the thing. It's like, I, one of you said it when we started this. Like, seeing Wesley actually, like, James said it apparently. Thank you, Caitlin. Doing Wesley appropriate Yeah, like, among peers. Among, like, the fact that there were apparently other... Peers who are also old, at least ten years older than him. Yes. But, like, the fact that the Enterprise is apparently lousy with people who are kind of wannabe fleeters, who are apparently reporting to Riker, and it's like... Why wasn't I shown any of this before? Wait, what are you talking about? Those four were all from the Enterprise? No, but the implication of uh, oh. Jake there oh, was well. that there were other Enterprise children who were yeah, aspiring but- Starfleet candidates. They all apparently report to Riker. He, like, helps train them. So, like, why have I not seen Wesley with his peers more instead of being really aggravating with adults? Um, he was in the room with Thirsty Girl for like eight seconds, and she had figured out like, wow, if you weren't cute, you would be obnoxious. Probably because no one can stand him because he's annoying. Right, but I mean, though if- also I like how he was like, oh my god, she said I'm cute. It's like no, she did said. You, did you hear the other half of the she sentence? She said you're fucking no, you annoying. <laughs> is what she said. But this, like, I feel like if the writers had put him with his peer group more often, maybe he would have been less annoying. I don't know. Then you get something like the one with the other children who are all kidnapped by that planet. Well, yep, they were, that was awful. Yeah, well, they were all actual children was a huge part of the problem. And children that young can rarely act. Actually, I thought, um, <laughs> thought the artist boy who made the dolphin was actually pretty good. He was inoffensive enough. Well, I mean, you know, for a kid. Um, I mean, um, we cover that episode. I just yeah. don't... Um... But it just does feel like a lot of stuff just sort of came... 
out of nowhere for the sake of the story in this one, yeah. including yeah, other true. Starfleet aspirants on the Enterprise. It felt like the Hunger Games to me for some reason. A little bit, It yeah. was a little Hunger Gamesy. Bringing up now... They should have just t- taken a sword to Wesley. Yeah, or just let that Jake kid eat it. Um, <laughs> you know, but there, there was a whole thing with other aspirants that we didn't know about before. Choosing now to unleash... Oh, P.S. Picard let Jack Crusher die. Like, that should have been seeded way earlier. Well, do we know anything about the production order? Like, this. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's fine. It's probably fine. But, um, yeah, I, don't, I feel like we flogged the Academy quite quite thoroughly. What about the yeah. other half? The other half is what, what I was predominantly bored by because it felt like nothing. Yeah, the thing with the so the Remick side plot there it doesn't, you're right, it doesn't really feel like much. Yeah. But it, I, feels I, like, it feels like it feels like we're being teased and we never get anything. No, no. Okay, what do we get? We, we get another episode later that closes the book on Remick. I and, don't and, fuck, I don't want to wait until a quest uh, a questionable uh, later you're episode. You're going to hate DS9. Jesus. Well, no, the, the DS9, we understand, is a serial-type show. This is an episodic show, which, for all you know, this is the last you see of this character. Yeah. The last you hear of this plot line, the last you hear of this conspiracy that's going through the, the fucking Starfleet that may or may not even exist. There's, a, there's an episode later this season literally called Conspiracy. Yes, but you don't know it at the time. You, like, we're on episode 19. Yeah, no, this 19. is hindsight 2020 kind of thing. Like, you're saying this because you know the rest well, of the series. Yeah, I don't know the rest but, of the but, series. But, you know, I think, I don't think... Yeah, we stop should, spoiling it for us, I don't think way. we should be... We're not spoiling it. Um, I'm just saying we see him again. Yeah, um, no, I made a comment saying, like, do we ever hear of this conspiracy again? Because it feels like... It feels like a fucking throwaway. Yeah, well, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about this when we actually get to yeah. conspiracy. But I don't... So, there... That's something that they start experimenting with in in the sh- in TNG, which is dropping hints toward broader storylines. Mm. Some of which turn out to be cool, and some of which don't. Do so? Do some of do some of them end up not leading anywhere at all? Um, is this basically lost again? <laughs> no, I mean I think I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. We'll talk about it when we get to conspiracy, but I think that. Uh, you're struggling uh, and not trying to spoil it, but also yeah, trying to spoil yeah. it. Well, no, I'm just saying that, you know, I think it's okay that they do something like this. I don't think it, it was, yeah, it was boring, but at the same time, it's kind of like, who the fuck is this asshole? Yeah. And it, it's interesting because up until the end, you know, the, I liked the, the scenes where he was interrogating the crew because, you know, he's bringing up things that... That we've seen happen. That we've seen happen. I know. I was actually surprised about that because we almost never heard things that happened before in TOS. Mm. And I also really liked that he was like, oh, Prime Directive. And I was like, holy shit, someone in Star Trek gives a fuck about Prime Directive? (gasps) Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, for a while there, he almost is like an audience surrogate when he's Mm. like, because we'll sit here all day long and be like, fuck, I can't believe Picard did that. Jesus. Prime director of my ass. I can't believe it either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Troy will be like, but he was under under the power of a weird alien substance thing. Yeah, which, that was like, the yeah, only exactly. time we saw her thing. But God. it's like, Bye. But, but like from like from an outsider perspective, the captain of the most powerful ship in Starfleet was one hundred percent compromised by the by an alien force. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty dangerous. Although some of some of his lines of questioning did seem a little like, you know, there's no winning. 
Because the whole thing bringing up Kaczynski, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the bridge crew wasn't terribly happy and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, meanwhile, if he had taken their advice, I'm like, you know what, Kaczynski? Fuck you. His line of questioning would have been, well, Starfleet sent this guy. Why did he disobey central engineering? You know, like, it just felt like there's no winning with that line of questioning. Yeah, but... Then Some of the other lines of questioning are legitimate, though. But then again, ultimately he comes back and says, no, Captain Picard did the right thing in all these situations. Like, yes, he does. So he's he was trying, you know, he was... A, it was written so that he would be a little toady prick. No, I know. Um, but also, if in you know, if if you take the credulous view, then he is his job is to probe and get under people's skin and yeah. try to get someone to slip up and and admit some kind of fault. Yeah, I guess overall, I, I found it like for me, you know, again, like you, I kind of know where they're going with this. But even divorced from that, it's just sort of like, I know we discussed this before with regards to, you know, TOS, and we'll bring it up again in regards to everything, but just there's always that issue with a franchise of artificial tension. And this idea of, like, at the end of the day, we're sitting here, we know they're not gonna fucking strip Picard of his command. Yeah, nothing's happening to Picard. But you can still set it up in a way where you feel like, you can suspend your disbelief enough to be like, again, not so much... Oh, will they get out of it? But how? You know, how is how are they going to tie this up? Will it be a satisfactory resolution? Will it not feel like a cop out? Will it not yeah. just feel like it's the Columbo approach? Yeah, you know, will it not just feel like they're going to get out of this because they have to because they're the main characters? And I feel like this didn't necessarily set that up. It was like you just knew, like, yeah, yeah, this guy's going to be a pain in the ass, but at the end of the day, it's all going to be fine. Wait, wait, wait! You didn't expect them to give Picard mental powers in a wheelchair so he can go to the academy? that's good oh maybe that's maybe they maybe melbar had a uh had some sort of superpower and that's why he got accepted that's mordok i know but i'm calling him melbar oh okay you're you that's right that um like carnitas the other week there there was a good moment though to, to, to your point that like he did sort of let his veneer slip uh mm. remick where when Picard manages to keep Jake from murdering himself, and he's like, yeah! Yeah. yeah. His little... Yeah, and then Remus like, I would want to serve here, and everyone's like, no, we actually all hate you. Yeah, we you. hate you so we much. We actually hate you so much. Yeah. That's something the, the writers get good at, too, in the show, is making loathsome characters. Like I mean, that. TOS was good at that. They were really good at just hateable Federation bureaucrats. Mm. They had that asshole in Tribbles. They had that asshole with the sleeve capes. (laughs) They were just really good at having people swing their dicks around and you immediately hating them. That's a a good Star Trek, you know, goes far back, you know, annoying Star Trek bureaucrats where you're just like, oh my god, I cannot wait till you're shown up. Yep. But yeah, overall, like... I I, I I think technically that was the A plot, but it felt like the B plot compared to the Academy thing. I assume the Academy thing was the A plot because the B like the the plot with the with Remick and with Quinn figuring out is something wrong? Oh wait, we know there's nothing wrong, mm. but is something actually wrong? And it is elsewhere? coming of age, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's shrouded, but that there's a, there's like enough left to be answered in apparently future episodes. Mm. See, here's that the that the the. the Academy piece does feel like it has to be the A plot because yeah, it's the, the only one that piece. actually is resolved. Yeah, the Academy yeah. piece also has an arc. It's yeah. got it's got tension. It's got a resolution. It's got it's got something to figure out. It's got it's got 
a plot. Yeah. Whilst the academy or the um the investigation investigation with Remick is literally just going through and questioning everybody. And there's the and it just feels like it feels like it's, it's it's just on level ground, level ground, level ground, yeah. and then it ends. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That, well, that's shuttle. why I was a little. Like, it never felt like there was enough at stake. Yeah. Because you're, you're you're wondering like, is there actually like someone on or like a problem on the Enterprise? And then you feel like, oh, there wasn't. There wasn't at all. Okay. So there was never actually any problem. I will say though, I was definitely completely one thousand percent on Remick's side. When he was like, why can a teenager get into the shuttle bay? Yeah. Also, they still don't have security in the shuttle bay. I, I, just I, that, how, how many how, times do I have to tell you to put locks on the doors? How is it that he was able to fly the shuttle bay out and then get out of, out of uh, tractor, beam, tractor range beam range before... Like, it's like someone stealing a shuttle. Tractor beam, please. Like, there should just be... Like, you don't wait. Yeah, no, you shouldn't even... Like, the protocol should just be you don't even have to wait for an order from the captain. If there is an unauthorized launch, literally anyone is allowed to go, boop, tractor beam. But I'll also have security quibbles in the next episode. Yeah, this that that yeah, the security situation in on Starfleet on Starfleet vessels. Does it ever get better? I can't remember. Because it's, it's driving better, me crazy. It's better when it's convenient for the plot. Yes. really is what the story is there. Oh, they needed Jake name. to escape so that Picard could... Picard it up. Picard it up. So that almost felt like a C-plot. Mm. Well, it was the bridge. It was bridging yeah. It was bridging the Academy entrance exam and the Remick, right? Yeah. yeah. That's true. That was actually also the only actually tense moment. Because I kind of didn't expect that they would let this kid burn up. But I was, I had my, that was the only thing that ever really concerned me in this in this episode was, like, is that kid actually going to bite it? Yeah. Because, like you said, obviously nothing's going to happen to Captain Picard no. at all. No. And obviously, like, the the psych test was obvious for me as a viewer that yeah. this was the psych test, not an actual thing. I felt worse for Mordoc when he came out and looked distraught. I was yeah. like, oh man, what did he go through? Is he okay? Yeah, dude, somebody fucked him up. You know what it is? Good. They swapped out his preferred vape. <laughs> it's like, this isn't Spearmint. This isn't Spearmint! Mordok's, M- 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 uh, his uh, greatest fear was taking the Cuban ball test without Wesley sitting next to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds right. Alright. I actually liked the episode. It was, there was, yeah, it was I, tedious I, it, in some it, ways, yeah. but I even kind of liked... The interrogations, because I was just kind of like, wow, this guy is such a douche. I hate him. I love I him. I will say, the way that scene was shot was, I was gonna say, good. I enjoyed where they, that. Where they would cut back to Remick. That was and good. Then that that was looked really else. nice. That I, lo- I well love done. how Data showed him up, too. Yeah. I also I also liked Worf, uh, when he when Remick is like, you don't like me very much, and Worf's like, is it required? Yes! <laughs> I also liked Worf. that. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I liked it fine. It's I mean, not the I best, it's not the worst. I didn't hate it, but it was just kind of like, eh, it's fine, it's next. We learned some stuff, mm. Don. Yeah. Was Tasha in this episode? No. I don't think she was. No, she was very was briefly. She? she was... No, wait. They didn't, no, I, I, know they next, I know they didn't the question episode. her. Yeah, they, they didn't? Question her. They did and not also, question I her. figure, like, when the kids stole the the uh, shuttlecraft, That's true. she would have been involved. Yeah. She would have been involved. No, maybe she wasn't then. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah I for a minute, so. I was gonna say she's the one that was saying like he was being mind controlled, but that was that was Troy. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Mm-hmm. 
How about the next episode? Yeah, hey, you hey, said you hey, had hey, you had security twi- tribbles. <laughs> tribbles, 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 quibbles, quibbles, and tribbles with now, glory. Okay, quibbles. okay. Again, this is jumping towards the end, but for Christ's pissing sake, they escort these fugitives to, as they put it, security, not the brig, right? Right. Well, I think yeah. it was the brig. It was, but they, the line was... Tasha taken called to, it security. Yeah, taken yeah. to security. was like, oh, that, who wrote that? Hmm. And they put him in the room, and they cut the usual sparkly force field. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they've also got a physical door, just in case. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't that physical door immediately closed? Maybe they can't both work at the same time. What? What is this? Five nights at Freddy's? Because here's the thing. They if you can pat your head and rub your stomach. They didn't want to have to damage the hallway set. By I know. By that putting one, just the force. That's rate. not even my major complaint. My, well, I have a lot of look. There's that. There's the fact that, like, at no point were these, frankly, even, bef- even before the stock footage from the motion picture shows up and is like, these guys are bad. You should have done some quick security checks and scans. I mean, Tasha Yar was scanning hotel rooms for listening devices in an earlier episode. No one scanned these guys and figured out they are wearing a disassembled disruptor between the two of them. Yeah, or like, wouldn't it have been disabled during transport? Well, I think they have to order that, don't they? And has that been done yet in the show, or is that later? I don't know. Eventually, it's established that they can beam people up, and in the process of beaming them up, disable their weapons if they're carrying them. I thought they did it. Didn't they do that on... Some, but this is a disassembled weapon. I don't, can you, yeah, is that disableable? Who knows? Disruptor. We, don't, we, we don't know how they... Dis- if they just drain an energy pack, in theory, one of those parts was... Anyway, my real big issue, though, the thing that makes me want to slam my head into a wall... How did they each fit half a disruptor up their ass? Not that. That's obvious. That's Klingons have cavernous tuchuses. Okay. The minute... Okay, well, first of all, <laughs> engineering <laughs> should just be locked as a rule. But yeah, since maybe. this is the happy, dippy fucking future, and we don't lock sensitive parts of our ships, at the very least, when there is an acknowledged breakout, all sensitive areas of the ship, including engineering, locked should be down. locked Absolutely. so some random asshole okay. with a disruptor can't storm in and point his gun at the incredibly explosive engines. Well, are you telling... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. You first. Are you sure? I am sure. You're going to tell me that Red Alert jettisons Finney, but it doesn't fucking shut some doors? Right! That's all. I mean, I don't know if they went to Red Alert, but even so. You're well, going to tell me that you got two fucking Klingons running amok on your ship and you don't got a fucking Red Alert? All right, fine. Get rid of Finney, quickly! Get him out! Okay, fine. This Sorry. Is, I'm sure, I, I am sure this will come up in the future, but can we, really, this, we really should talk about how the incredibly explosive engines yes. are just... Hanging out and yep. wide fucking open. Like yep. fucking some dopey engineer has like, oh, my anti-grav went crazy. Oh, shit. Well, and apparently, as we discover this episode, the glass walkways around the incredibly explosive <laughs> engine are incredibly fragile. Yeah, yeah, why are they made out of glass? Why are they made out of transparent aluminum? Or just plexiglass or literally anything. The floor. Yeah. It can just be a floor, yeah. guys. <laughs> You're like, good at floors. The fuck? What the actual that, that's another thing that we're also going to find is that in Star Trek, when it's convenient to have a shattered gr- glass <laughs> window, the windows are glass. Yeah. Otherwise, they're transparent aluminum yeah. or force fields. Yeah. It's like, I just... It was pretty magnificent, though. It was a good break. Yeah, it was, it, it was great. But, but it's like, just like, why? <laughs> why? You could have flipped them over a railing and you wouldn't have the fall. It would have looked great. The they, railings are all, they always added They could have added a Wilhelm screen. Commander Reed would be livid with the state Starfleet is in. 
That's all I'm saying. Um, He's the very uptight security chief in Enterprise. Oh, sure. Who I agree with. As long as he has shit, uh, has cape sleeves. No, no, he's a member of the crew, so he has a normal uh, jumpsuit. He needs, he needs the sleeve cape. He is British, if that helps. No, it does not. It would help me. But yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you. I also find it interesting. So, so Worf kind of gets off the hook a little bit here by mm-hmm. you know because he doesn't let the let the uh, Klingons hold the little girl hostage. Yes, so good on him there. But also, you know, Klingons, they, the Klingons don't take hostages that's true. except they for Krug. Just... Krug loved <laughs> taking hostages. So actually, that's a good point. I'll get to that in a second. But I was also going to mention how Worf, right? The Klingons tell him they say Worf. In a paraphrasing here, Worf, we're Klingon separatists, and we took over that thing that that freighter, freighter, the Batris. Yeah, you know, base. In short, they say Worf, <laughs> we're not who we say we are. We're actually criminals. Hey, would you mind taking us on a tour of your ship? And Worf's like, Yeah, how sure. About, let's how go about to the battle bridge. Yeah, let's go to engineering and the battle. Let bridge. me tell you about saucer separation, guys. And the without ma- the saucer, this is a commendable weapon. Oh no, they already knew about it though, because apparently. Starfleet just publishes their blueprints onto the space internet. Well, I'm sure, you know, Klingon... Ampl- it's public domain. This, this was, I found it interesting Open that when source. they talk to the Klingon envoy or whatever, that he had both a uh, Federation I was gonna bring yeah. it up and a Klingon. I think that might be the only time that happens. Yeah, I feel like at this point in the series, their idea of the peace with the Klingons was that maybe there was a really close alliance. Yeah. Whereas eventually it becomes more like, no, we stopped shooing each other, but we still kind of don't entirely trust each other. So I also found it interesting. So I actually really liked this episode, well, for, for a couple of reasons. So chronologically, in terms of production order, these are, I believe, other than Worf, I believe these are the first Klingons we get after Krug. Um, we were trying to figure that out last night. Yeah, because I think, I think... Was uh, this before or after 5? That was the one thing I, I was watering. I think 5 comes out later okay. in the year, or right, probably, possibly even well, right around the time this... 3 had Claw, right? 3 had Krug. He was Krug? Yeah. Claw was five. Claw was... The only okay. Klingon we got in four was the pissed off ambassador. Right. So, and and I felt like, you know, Krug sort of redefined what Klingons were about mm. from what they were in the original series. And then the very next time we see Klingons is in TNG. We have Worf and the, the understanding is that there's a, a, a peace that exists. But it's never really shown to us what that piece is. Yeah. And the implication could be... I, I, I mean, I don't even know if it's stated up to this point that Worf is the only star, the only Klingon in Starfleet. I don't know. I think that's... it's the first time it's come up, yeah. So... yeah. Oh, we did see the, the that fictional Klingon lady that uh, Riker with his god powers created. Does that help? No. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, no. These are the first, like, Klingon Klingons. So... There, at this point, there's really there's really no indication of what the status of that treaty is. Yeah, you know, if are Klingons just regular members of Starfleet? Like, is there a Klingon all over the place? Yeah, or is Worf a special case because of his upbringing? Right, yeah. and we also get a little insight into his upbringing here too. Yeah, we find out that his parents were killed and yeah, he was yeah. raised by humans. I realize that's why in our first episode of TNG, when I thought for a second Worf was half human, half Klingon, that it was because he was raised by humans, and I was yeah. thinking that. Raised by Russians. You know what I realized also that of all the that all the like main character aliens that we have met like Spock or Worf or Troy or whoever, so many of them aren't like pure aliens. Mm. They're either half something or other, or they were raised by humans, or yeah. they're they're very very human aliens. Well, because so, it's, it's the outsider trope. 
You know, it's mm. it's the. Well, they're not outsider enough then. Well, they're outsiders amongst the humans, but they're also outsiders amongst their own people. So they have so there's a lot of drama you can build there for the character. Mm. I just want to interject. We have seen two characters who are fully other species: Eric's <laughs> and Maris. <laughs> Uh, and and I, you could argue Data, too. Well, data was created by human. He's yeah, also but he, not an but alien. He's still, he's he's still a robot. He's, he's another. He's, he's not, full of the, the memories of 400 or however true. many humans. Oh, God. But again, but he also has that outsider syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get along so with that, the can that, opener. That's a pretty common <laughs> trope. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. Um, oh, man. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> um, me. But no, so anyway, as well, the point I was trying to get to here is, so we don't really have a sense of what this treaty is all about. Yeah. And from what we know of Klingons, based on Krug and based on Kor and Koloth and all these other Klingons we've met, is that they're like these really warlike people. So the idea that they would just have turned docile mm. and just kowtowed to the Federation is a little perplexing from what we know. Yeah. So having these Klingons there, I think this... Even though I still don't think they were very Klingon Klingons yet, like they're not like the Klingons that we come to recognize as being Klingon. I do think that that you know the the idea of oh, we're warriors and you know we're you know I we can't I can't you know uh, we oh, you know God. the Federation has has diluted our warrior blood and da 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 da. You know, does do you have the heart of a Klingon? You know, heart of glory. In a way, though, I, I, I said this to Kate last night. There were some scenes, especially some of their big blustering, where I felt like. And this is what led us to discussing when the hell had this come out exactly, is there were moments where they felt very TOS Klingon. There was something about just how theatrical they, they were. They were smarmy. They were smarmy. They were kind of theatrical. They yeah, felt... At least they weren't quoting Shakespeare. Well, he didn't happen yet. They were very poetic, though. There were moments where, especially where, when Worf was talking to... Uh, the, Chorus? The, the guy. Was that his name? Chorus? Which guy? The, the, one, the one from the stock the, footage. The smug oh, one? Canera. Oh, Canera. Yeah. Canera, wow. Canera was the captain of the battle. Does he make nice soup? Nice. Um, but like he goes on this whole sort of borderline poetic monologue about why they should be allowed to sort of just run and die on their feet like and blah blah blah. Like, wow, Klingon poetry must be very elegant. Except it's in Klingon. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I would give this episode a lot of credit for establishing Klingons. Yeah. That come. I mean, they they continue to be developed, but I think when we think about Klingons, the, what we like I you know, I th- I think like it started with Krug. Yeah. And then this episode sort of Further establishes that Klingon culture. Uh, wait, wait, you like you like the the death ritual? Yeah, I think it's, that's I also, in Discovery. Is actually, it? It's 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 yeah, it's, and it shows up more times. And interestingly, I I something about to bring this back to Discovery. Spoiler alert for the pilot episode of Discovery. So if you've seen if you've seen the first two, oh I think two, we actually about if you've this seen one. the if I think no it's the second episode this happens. So spoiler alert. It should have been one episode. For, yeah, for, the first two episodes of Discovery. For the second episode of Discovery. In Discovery, the Klingons under Takovma sanctify the deceased yeah. and come, you know, and Oh yeah, they put them on the sh- on the put h- them on hull the of the ship. ship. And in this episode, they are like, "No, just toss them out an airlock." It's an empty shell. It's an empty shell. So okay. how do you get from A to B? And, I, and in the second episode of Discovery, the way that the 
the Shinzo, Shinzo, is that the name of the ship? Shinzo. Shinzo. Was able to escape was by strapping a bomb to a Klingon body <laughs> so that when they tractored it into their ship to deal with it, to bury it or to attach it to the outside of the ship, it blew up and damaged the ship and they were able to escape. Mm. So perhaps time of discovery Klingons were were very you know religious Klingons anyway were very much we have to take care of these bodies they're you know the the honored dead and then it's like oh wait our honored dead can be used as weapons against us yeah they're just garbage it is hard to say because like you said Takuvma clearly represents sort of a weird cult in a way like but at the same time his religiosity or whatever his treatment of the dead doesn't come completely out of nowhere mm. because one of the things that pops up in Spock's retraining of the mind in Star Trek Four is a Klingon mummification glyph. Mm. So there was precedent in all pre-existing material for both treating the bodies like shells and mummification in the Klingon culture. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah, take that, people who think they aren't paying attention to continuity and discovery. <laughs> so, yeah. so God, uh, I'm such a nerd. Yes. So I, Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I will say, though, frustrations with still bad Enterprise security aside, I did enjoy the episode. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, yeah, I was surprised, uh, speaking of, of security, that you know, if they're talking about there was a battle and blah, 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 where did the other ship go? Did they establish where the other I ship I presume went? it was destroyed. Then why is there no debris and why didn't they check for debris? Maybe they had drifted away from where the debris was. There should be lots of debris everywhere. Yeah, you're right. I have no fucking clue. It's a good They're point. idiots. They're fucking idiots. Well, because then they could see, oh, they were, there either is no debris because there should have been debris no matter what because there was a fucking ship that the the original Klingons were on. Yeah. So where the fuck is it that they could check to see like this isn't a Ferengi ship, this was a Klingon ship. What the fuck actually happened? Guys? Well, you could also say, well, maybe you know, the, so the freighter was damaged in the battle, evidently. Mm-hmm. So they may have been able to limp. Mm-hmm. Away from the from the site of the battle, and then mm-hmm. finally it started shooting the bed. Yeah, I mean, even even a few minutes. I mean, I, we've we've complained about this before, but in reality, a few minutes at even warp one is an extraordinary distance. This is yeah. true. This is true. But and here's another thing too, though, and someone already brought this up, but the situation here is literally. The Kobayashi Maru. It's a disabled ship calling in the, the neutral, in the zone. neutral zone. Mm-hmm. And no one thinks to say, like, should we be more careful? So this is familiar! So clearly this answers our question that they have changed yeah. the testing mm-hmm. requirements at the Academy. The Kobayashi Maru is, never, is no longer in place because clearly no one they, on the Enterprise has taken it. They literally just walked right into it. It was astounding. I sort of loved it, even yeah. though I hated it. Speaking of... Not hating it, but another mild annoyance. And this is, again, genuinely, I did mostly enjoy. Another annoying little sort of continuity thing. Romulans. There's a name we've not heard in a while. You mentioned them in Angel 1. Yeah. Like, they were the hugest deal a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but they didn't go out there, so forget about it. Yeah, I know. They don't have to deal with it. Well, maybe it was also... Well, we do know in the original script, as you pointed out, Ames, it had been the Ferengi in Angel 1. Oh, that's true. And also, like, I'm sh- I don't know how much double-checking between episodes they were doing, except in, in Coming of Age, where they referenced a lot of other episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was weird. Yeah, you also thought it was... Yeah. How dumb are the people in the Enterprise? Uh, well, the, da- the damage on, your sh- on the freighter was looked like Klingon weapons. Uh, yeah, but it was a Ferengi ship. 
with Klingon weapons. That, that's what it was. <laughs> that attacked us. Yep. Oh my god, you're right. It sounds like such a stupid answer. Yeah. <laughs> and no one questioned it. It was a little weird. Yeah, very weird. They're very yeah. trusting. And even when they find Klingons on the ship, they're like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, sure. Oh yes. This is normal. Jordy. Jordy. <laughs> Where was the rest of the crew? Just corpses? Dead. Yeah, I assume they killed them. And... Well, I was going to say they killed them, didn't they? Because they well, said they, that Yeah, they... but, but nobody on the Enterprise was like, so the only three survivors are the Klingons. And one of them is so injured that he's not even bleeding purple blood. Mm. Yeah. Well, again, they haven't established purple blood. Oh, that's, his oh, that's true. Not yeah. until six, so right? Weird. Yeah. yeah. And then even after that, they kind of yeah, drop it. Yeah, I forget it. about yeah. it again. So this is something I was saying earlier. It's only super tangentially related, but I'm saying it anyway because I think it's funny. Now, as of recording, three of us at this table have not seen the new Star Wars, but we all know what porgs are. And since... Wookie like, dicks. Huh? Wookie dicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confirmed. And, uh... I just... I For some... At one point I got into my head Mr. Warg. So, like, I can't draw, but I would happily draw, like, a little porg, but in, like, a yellow Starfleet uniform with, with ridges. Mm. And then, of course, now you've got the death ritual, and we all know that porgs do their little eee scream. I so don't I know that. kind of want to... It's in the trailers. Uh, I just want to... Yeah, I just want an image of three little Klingon porgs just screaming into the air, because I think that's adorable. So well, if anyone even... listening can draw, would you please? I'd be mm. so happy. Yeah. I would pay you. I'd pay you not to. <laughs> just ask your sister to do it. Oh, yeah. We have a bidding war for not... Or actually drawing the warg... It's okay. Crystal just ask his sister. She'll do it. <laughs> She'll do it for no pay. She will. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna change change tactics here. Jordy's visual acuity transfer. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so that almost. I, I'm okay. We'll get. Really, to... it's that I think the script was about twenty minutes too short, too short, and they needed to fill it with something. That whole like it is. It's like a third of the episode is them. They're on the ship and they're having this long ass conversation about how the ship's about to blow up. But oh, it's so cool! We can finally see how Jordy sees. What a bunch of ableist bullshit. The way <laughs> I put it, because just Picard was being so insensitive. Yeah, I was Picard just like doesn't have empathy. No, it That's was just why like he needs Troy around. At one point, I literally said to Caitlin, "Like Jesus Christ, what?" When Jordy beams back, is Picard gonna say, "Can I touch your hair?" Like, <laughs> fuck! I was so uncomfortable. Oh. It was that level of awful, as far as I also, was concerned. Also, there are people that are probably dying on the ship that you're trying to rescue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can we not talk about? Oh, how cool this new device is, Jordy. This yeah. is how you yeah, see. You could have tested Look it out on the. Some more. You could have. Well, actually, that was something interesting. I don't know. It looked to me. And maybe, I don't know if this is true, but it kind of looked to me like the shot of Data through Jordy's visor was not of Brent Spiner, but of his, of his body double. His photo his photo double and Riker's photo doubles okay. were used in this I scene. wasn't 100% sure about Riker, but I was looking Which at means, I was like, that's not, that's, that's the hair on the double who yeah. we've seen. Which means Jordy has never seen the beauty of Data. That's true. So I thought, I did think that. No, no, he did in that five seconds he had eyes in that one episode. That's true. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting, yeah. He always that. has eyes, Chris. Um, you fucking ableist you're, you're piece fair. of shit. When Riker gave him traditionally functional eyes. But he oh, should, traditionally but if he, but if functional. But if he did see Data in that moment, then he should have known that Data doesn't have a halo. That's true. Oh, I suppose he was maybe just joking. Maybe. Just a fucking yeah, okay, so good. Data, has, Data has a halo for me. Yeah, that, mm, that... Whenever I look at him, yeah. I hope he's got a boner for me. But yeah, I just... That is, that is one thing where I was just like... The one... <laughs> The one problem is this This does really just make plain. It's like, why aren't body cams 
standard operating equipment for away teams. Well, well you could ask the same question about uh, today. You know. Uh, no, I, I know, but the you Boko? know. Yeah. Well, it's because of the union. Because the <laughs> Starfleet has the a good Star, union. The Starfleet <laughs> officers' union. They, you know, Starfleet's like, we, you know, listen. After after having so many prime directive violations, we're going to start equipping away parties with body cams. And the union threw a fit, and they're not doing it. It's actually uh, it's funny because there are again not to bring it back in Enterprise, but in some of the early episodes where they're doing away missions. Trip literally brings a camera, but like like a tourist camera. It's kind of funny. Hmm. But yeah, you would think that there would be like, if not if not even just like body cams, but like it would be some kind of something built into their equipment. Yeah, like in their flashlights or something. Yeah, you know? I mean we already. I mean I know in 1987 miniaturization of cameras was still. I mean of a of a streaming digital camera that was um, you know years off. But nowadays, you could have a streaming digital camera that would fit into their com badge. Yeah. And still have room for the communications equipment. Yeah. Or just mount a camera. Like, why did it have to be the feed from Jordy's visor? Why couldn't it... Just GoPro that shit. Exactly. And And yes, that technology didn't exist in 87 or 88 when this was filmed. However... Neither does warp drive, transporters, subspace communications. And... And the and the difference between a body camera and those technologies is a body camera actually is something that you could be I think in eighty seven be like yeah I could see this coming around in the next sooner 10, than later twenty yeah. years you know yeah it's the it's not unbelievable yeah and you know their whole thing is like oh well its transmission range isn't great because it's so much data because the visor has you know what has less data a normal fucking camera yeah and you can actually look at it and see what you're looking at and not be really really awful to your blind crewman Picard mm. you fucking dick. Yeah, it was After bad. all the progress Picard has been making, like, that scene was like, oh, this is early season Picard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a blind man teaching an android how to paint. Oh, God, that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Riker. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, for, they're, again, it's another instance of this show for being as progressive as it is. Fucking up sometimes. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> pulling a boner. <laughs> Teach them to laugh at the Joker's boner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh god one thing I fucking loved though lack of Troy yes I loved that was she not I didn't even notice lack Um, of Wesley also oh he wasn't in this one was he they didn't use it in full but they quoted Jerry Goldsmith's Klingon theme in this I noticed that yeah like very subtly they never used the full thing but when they Klingons and they meh 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 it's like oh shit that's good nice uh, we hear it in the motion picture and Star Trek V and definitely First Contact. Eventually what happens is it becomes Worf's theme yeah. in the da, movies da, that Goldsmith... I think we did a sing along of this. Yes, we, did. we have. But yeah, I feel they like use you're it. channeling Dana Carvey, and I love it. <laughs> but yeah, they do it in one, they do it in five, and it shows up. Like it definitely shows up in First Contact, which Jerry Goldsmith scores. He then also scores, I think, the last two, but I can't remember if he uses it. But like in First Contact, it sort of goes from being the Klingon theme to being Worf's theme. But I appreciated that because Goldsmith is an excellent composer, and it was nice to hear that little bit of music show up. I mean, they're using his theme, so why the hell not? But I love that. That was a nice little thing. What were they playing while they were constructing the phaser? 
Because oh. it was definitely some unusual music that I actually started being like, I mean, like this doesn't feel like Star Trek, but I'm bouncing to it now. I actually didn't notice, to be honest. There was some yeah, was different a, music playing. It was a new, newish theme. Maybe composers for this episode. I did appreciate that the gun they assembled did look vaguely like the silhouette was vaguely similar to like an old Klingon disruptor, though. Yeah, but I did notice like the prop was really chintzy. Oh, it's terrible. Like when they moved it, like the barrel wobbled a lot. Again, very TOS. Oh. Yeah, and no one questions, like, oh, so stealing the thing off of his shoe, that's the dead yeah. guy's shoe. Well, no one saw it. That's why. No one was looking. Oh, I noticed. They were well, all I could just be so, like, you know, I like this thing on his shoe all the time. It's a, no, I, no, traditional it's mine. Klingon death ritual, you take the points off your buddy's yeah, you, shoe. You scream and steal some crap. Yep, just gut the corpse. Like, yep. I got his wallet, I got his belt. I feel like the yells were a little silly. The yells were Especially a the silly. solo yell. The solo yell was goofy. I liked mm. the reason behind the yell. I don't like the reason behind the yell. It's really? What, to prepare the afterlife for a warrior that's coming. It feels, yeah, it's a warning. It feels Klingon. It feels Klingon. A bit cocky. Yeah, it's so cocky. It's so egotistical. It's like, I'm it's so... Not. It's not even you, though. It's your friends have to think of you to do this. Mm. So if you're like, oh, I don't think Worf is that great a warrior, so... <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is like... Beware, it Worf only, is You coming. only get... Like, that seems to be only if there's time. Because when, when the first Klingon, no, this I guess the second Klingon, to yeah. technically, he didn't get the scream because they were in a rush. Like It's not like they're stopping their battle mid-fight yeah. mid to, to do the yell. <laughs> Imagine, though, if they did do that. Like When there were wars on Kronos, mm. when you know, Klingons were just fighting each just other. constant. Time out, everyone. They didn't, ah! they didn't, Back on. They didn't do it for Gorkon in 6. Well, I get the sense that Klingon culture... Has changed. Yeah, like data. Data states that this is probably the first time humans or you know non Klingons have heard this yell. Yeah. And it's like, well, have we not? We've, we've killed lots of Klingons but, in front of other Klingons. But here's before. the thing. Here's the thing, right? So yeah, but, Klingon. So keep in mind the time difference between where we are today. That's true. And now there are allies, and they maybe feel more comfortable well, with it's, us. It's not just that. It's just, it's it's what ninety years difference like between that. the between. The, that movie in today? Some 80 or 90. Um, it's been a long time, needless to say. So there could have been an ebb in Klingon religious practices during Gorkon. Because we know, A, we know Gorkon was a reformer. Yeah. And was killed because of it. Yeah. So it could be that he was just, he was very liberal. He didn't, or he wasn't, you know, he wasn't religious. He didn't promote religion. And maybe he wasn't a follower of the religion that other, you know, Klingons we see now are. Well, and yeah. these guys do seem to be the, like, you know, we want to go back to the good old days when you could use ethnic yeah. slurs you in public and yeah. yell make, when someone dies. Make Quonos great again. It's right? also, they I called guess, it yeah. Kling at one point. Kling. They did, yeah. <laughs> they did. No. But th- there was also, there is the difference of, like, the situation with Gorkin is a bit different, too, because it's... As far as they're concerned, they're in the midst of an assassination. Yeah. So that wasn't an ordinary death. That was, at that moment, a crime scene. Yeah, and he also wasn't, like, he may not have been considered, according to Klingon ritual, he may not have been an honored Yeah, dad. that wasn't mm. a warrior's death. He didn't die a warrior. He died being, table. being like shot. Like a little bitch, frankly. Yeah. Uh, just just floating in midair, helpless, like a With baby. With McCoy on top of him. Yeah, um, that's how I want to go. Versus, you know, these guys who died... <laughs> died uh, <laughs> but I don't know I like the, I like the, uh, I like that idea I like yeah. you Caitlin I like you too um, I like yeah, the idea because yeah. it's some it's a complaint that you hear a lot 
with with Star Trek, with um, you know, oh, all the all the races are very one dimensional. But I kind of, you know, in my head, I'm like, no, I like the idea that, you know, we tend to see warrior Klingons. We see the really religious Klingons that are tied, you know, tied to their warrior religion. But that doesn't mean every Klingon is, you know. It's just confirmation bias. We talked with Canero on his ship. He seemed normal. He seemed like a good guy. Sorry. Um, Cool chill. And it's also interesting, you know, and and this again goes back to Discovery, where we have Tacovma, who was obviously a hyper-religious yeah. guy and, and his followers. And then you had some of the other Klingon houses that we see, and we get the impression that, well, they're not... They think he's a dip. Yeah, and they're probably... You know, they're probably... If I was to make a comparison, I'd say that Takovma was, like, the true believer. He's, like... Yeah. He's a true believer, but the other Klingon houses, which sort of glom onto his movement, they're, like... They're there for the cloak. They're, they're there for the cloak. They're there for... They are the... I think the, 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 the <laughs> Some of them did, the, yes. uh, the religious right... Politically speaking, yeah, you know, like the United in the United States, you know, you have these religious people that are really they're just they're fucking charlatans. Yeah, they don't believe it. No, you know the, the I saw some YouTube video once with a guy that was like it was these two religious guys and they were talking and they were talking about how you know God spoke to me and told me that I needed to buy a bigger jet <laughs> because if I had a bigger jet, I could I could spread his word further. And, you know, God comes and he tells me, you know, he tells me these things. He tells me, you know, I'm sitting on my little plane. And then he said, you need a bigger plane. So that's why I got the bigger plane. And it's like, I think you got the bigger plane because you, you wanted had, it. You wanted it you and wanted you knew that plane. you could build people out of money for your big fucking stupid plane. That's who I think the other Klingons in Discovery are. Yeah. So, Speed, by the way, uh, again, as of recording, we're actually in the mid-season break right now. I think this goes live after they've come back. So for all we know, the, ep- the first their, episode when they've gotten back... They like, may have gotten their bigger plan. ...completely disproves everything we have. just posited. Who knows? We don't I hope know. not. Because um, I, I also enjoy that idea that there really is more to it than I think people are willing to mm. give. I think people want the Klingons to be one-dimensional because yes. of what we've seen. But well, and it's like people want Vulcans to be one-dimensional, which is why so many were upset by the way they were pre- presented in Enterprise. Hmm. Or as cockbags? Yeah. With yeah. tits? <laughs> oh, yeah. We watched Carbon Creek the other day. What? Tits. Oh, is that the, like... What about tits? There's one? some tits. That's the one where they, where they go tits? back to, uh, where, yeah, where, where it's T'Pol <clears throat> telling a story. Yeah. And there's a scene in that where, that where T'Pol's ancestor, played by Jolene... Blalick. Blalick, is changing... Uh, they're stealing clothes off a clothesline, as you oh, do. Oh, like very. And yeah, she's yeah. changing, and this, and the, sh- and her shadow is well projected. Yeah, she's on the other side of a sheet. Of a sheet, and you can see it all. Jesus, everything. The the the. I think I'm gonna like Enterprise a lot. The sexing up in that show is so fucking embarrassing. It sounds really. Oh, I really mean, upsetting. I'm gonna hate it. It's otherwise, I mean... It's, it's a love-hate situation. Otherwise, I enjoy most of the show, but I do hate the overt, like, pathetic, ham-fisted, childish, sophomoric sexuality. Yeah. And, and like, that. Th- those were gratuitous titties yeah. in that episode. It was. <laughs> Gratuitities. Gratuitities. <laughs> but if, uh, listeners, if you are interested in seeing uh, some a, a shadow of some nice titties, Carbon Creek... Gratuitities. Enterprise. Fun Sorry. episode, from what I recall, aside from that. 
it's all right. It's goofy, but no way I'm all right with oh, it. Oh, Ames won't like it. I liked it. Oh. I, I only played attention to some of it because I was in the middle of running errands, but... Yeah, it's... <laughs> anyway. I really paid attention to the tits, I looked, but... I looked up and I was like, I yelled, I yelled, I think, I think I yelled tits at you like five times. Like, Jake, there's tits! Look at the tits! Why are there tits on Star Trek? They're right fucking there! Why are there tits well, on Star Trek? I'm really Trek? starting to feel like Ames and I are the same person also, because I feel like that would be my reaction to tits on Star Trek. Uh, and Jake's like, well, we saw some on Discovery. I'm like, yeah, that's Discovery. That's streaming uh, spo- all that. Spoilers, spoilers for season finale or uh, mid-season finale of Discovery. Oh, There's God, titties. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the horrible titties. Oh, <laughs> they're, they're not good don't titties. Awful titties. titties. I'm not trying I like to, her. Uh, they're alien titties. Anyway, I just... we we bounced around from Enterprise to Discovery. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go on, though, no, never mind. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Um, you're right. Overall, you know, there's there's. Some issues here and there, but overall, I, I thought this one was fun. Yeah, I thought it was, and I thought it was good. I thought it was good development for the Klingons. As, yeah, and for Worf. And for Worf, absolutely. Yeah. I think this season, or really this this series so far, Worf has done so little mm. in every episode. Like he's there as like the Klingon guy who's around, who's yeah. strong and fights sometimes, but he's done so very little to seem like a character. That it's nice that you get to see him. Like, I'm sure, like, everyone's watching, like, there's a Klingon. Why are we not addressing that there's a Klingon? I was kind of wondering, because I know, I know, um, oh, I can't think of her real name at the moment, but I know that Tasha Yar doesn't... Denise Crosby. Denise Crosby, thank you. Will be, you know, she won't be seeing the season out. And I kind of wonder if the writers knew that, and we're kind of like, oh, God, fuck, start picking up Worf. Well, well, yeah, but this would not be the episode to do it, because everything he does is so against... Like what security should be on this fucking ship? Well, yeah, he's not security yet, though. I he's know, but but the, red but shirt. they see how he does mm. with these fucking other Klingons, and they're like, "Yup, that's the man Look, with the job of security chief." They gotta cut him some slack. He's really almost never met any of his own people. Yeah, I wonder, but about knows that. an extraordinary amount about them at the same time. That was my question. Well, like, he's how read a lot often of books. does Worf see other Klingons, and how does he know all their cult- customs? I'm guessing. But like, he joined in the yell a second late, so maybe he was like, "Right, the yell! I have to do the yell now." Well, it's, like, it's like that first day I've been to church in a long time. Oh fuck! Now we kneel. Yeah, I'm guessing. Now we clap? No, we don't clap. <laughs> Never clap. You know, we know he, he was before, <laughs> before the age of whatever they said. Which, the implication is super young. Like, yeah. crazy young. Well, well, they left him with his guidebook. Um, <laughs> the Klingon how-to. Well, and also, like, I'm assuming, given that there's a treaty that he could just hop on the you know, Wikipedia. Yeah. He did the Wikipedia research to learn how to I mean, it could be it could be you know his mother was responsible and was again made sure to expose him even if not directly through some sort of medium to his culture do you and, think oh, sorry. no go ahead I was gonna, uh, you know another thing that we're gonna find I think is that Worf clearly although he is extremely devoted to Klingon culture he is so devoted I think that other Klingons are not nearly as Klingon as Worf is true like huh. he's he's like he gets and I don't want to spoil things in the future, but he does get very pedantic about... His foster parents must have fucking hated him. Like, he's... Yeah, I mean, he's just like... He's... He, like, you, you'll see these other Klingons that are, you know, they're Klingons, you know, they're boisterous, they laugh all the time, but Worf is, like, always serious, always honor, you know. Yeah, big guy doesn't smile. He's like, yeah. He's the, um... You know, he's the guy that he read... He, he clearly read Klingon culture versus experienced Klingon culture. And I think... That def that, you know, that comes out. In He's the, the person that reads the old like oh, I forget what it was called, but the book that basically established 
the code of Bushido and thinks that's really how samurai acted. Mm. The hiragana? I think so. Hagakure. There we go. Hagakure. That sounds, yeah. Yeah. Or, again, who've read a book of medieval chivalry and think that's really how knights acted, yeah. when most of them were just rapists and murderers. Yeah, exactly. Like you do. Yeah. Sorry, that got weird. Anyway. Anybody else got anything for these? I don't think so. I think we hit all my major points. Uh, Worf, Worf, report them, Worf. We already talked about mm. that. Uh, yes. Remi- I wrote reminder: saucer separation is a thing. I I, I listed expensive. I listed that as saucer sep cocktees. Because mm. <laughs> Riker's like, should we separate the saucer? And the audience were like, ooh, that again. No, oh, oh, a battle. Worf has a boner. Mm. <laughs> See, here's the thing: if they if they wanted to, uh... so nothing to add then, Chris. <laughs> you know, you know what though? I bet you the battle bridge set was being was occupied by. Uh... Movie filming mm, at this maybe. point, possibly because I think that was that set was also used for the bridge of the Enterprise A. Yeah, well, yeah, again, I'm surprised. You know, when the Klingons were running down one way, you know, the fucking Cybox men were running down the other in the yeah. same quarter. Hi, yeah, exactly. High five. <laughs> You're on the Enterprise A. <laughs> no, you aren't. Yeah, they had a better brig in Star Trek Five than they had in this episode. Yeah, they did. Hmm. Oh God. Yoro. But they. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Voldemort. Oh, Voldemort. Ah. <laughs> that fucking guy. Uh. Oh, I also wrote, Pity Troy's not here this week, or we'd know that they're hiding something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's probably why she wasn't there, honestly. They're probably writing this episode, they're like, oh shit, we can't have Troy. Yeah, like Picard says, no, there's something There's something about them. I'm like, where's Troy? There's something about she them. She know? They're a vaudeville double act, but they're Klingons. <laughs> they wish they Johnny, play us off! I'd love to have seen, like, I'd love to see two people just do who's on first in full Klingon makeup. No other reference to the fact they're Klingons. Just, yeah, maybe. You know, I think maybe they did know that Denise Crosby was leaving at this point because they went out of their way to diss her in the cold open when they're like, let's be, all right, we're going to send her away party. You stay there. (laughs) Yeah, just in case something, something bad excuse. Also, violating the neutral zone. Yeah, no one was really too worried about that. Apparently it's not as big a deal. Whichever one it was. Presumably Romulan, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only neutral zone. Who knows? That we yeah that we're aware of now. Okay, well anyway, I think that uh, just about does it yeah. for these two episodes, uh, which I, I'm going to give this week a thumbs up on both. A yeah. more enthusiastic thumbs up for the Klingon one, and sort of a thumbs you know 45 degree angle. I give it a tolerable week. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was a good week. I felt good about this week. Um, yeah, I, I think we will have some at least one of the episodes which I recognize. Uh, I think we'll. I, I like this episode anyway. Um, next week we will be talking about the Arsenal of Freedom, which I don't know. I love that episode. I, I like. We talk about Wesley's funeral. My favorite episode. <laughs> yes, the Arsenal of Freedom. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll talk about that next week. One of one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's just such a cool sci-fi concept. But we'll talk about that next week. I feel like there's probably like several hundred gun stores in this country called the Arsenal of Freedom. You know, somebody was watching that this episode and was like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> But no, it's it's good. It's got a good political message. It's a good sci-fi hey, story. Hey, stop cocking Classic. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was like an Ellison script or something. Even though he's a fuckhead. Um, <laughs> a lot and, of fuckheads. And then, uh, and then symbiosis. 
which I don't remember anything about, so I'm sure that one will be very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we'll be talking about this next week, of course. Uh, you have been listening to A Star to Steer Her By. You can find our podcast on Facebook by searching for a star to steer her by. <laughs> or do uh, whatever you did to find it the time that you've obviously used, obviously used now maybe to listen they're, to us. Maybe they're sitting in a crowded office and somebody is rudely playing the podcast in the in like the cube over. Jesus, that person's going to get fired. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I work in an open office. It, it's I like You're constantly hearing podcasts telling cunts, cunts, cunts. Touch dicks! <laughs> Fisting! Touch dicks! Brown <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> you can also find us on uh, Twitter and Tumblr. Our name there is SSHB Podcast. You can download us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. And if you do that, please do us a favor and give us a review and a rating five stars is preferable for search priority uh and you can give us the dirt in the comment but uh, we would love to hear from you and if you can't do that the second best thing you can do is to tell somebody else about our podcast and send them to itunes because we love listeners and uh we could use some more of them because (laughs) we don't have a lot That wasn't at all desperate and pleading. <laughs> Please listen. No, um, but no, really. If you like our podcast, share us with your friends that you think would also like our podcast. And your enemies. Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. If you know someone who's really uptight and is offended by talk of oh, cunts yeah, and yeah. brown eyes, I'll come torture them for you. Send them. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think that's all I really have to say. I think I hit all the points. Uh, as I said, this is a star to steer her by. My name is Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. And this is always Caitlin. Bye bye. Stop trying to come up with a catch line. Okay. Did I say this was episode sixty-five? Yes, you did. Oh, yeah, this, oh, thank oh, okay. Yes, we did. Well, that, that, Woo! This Woo! has been episode sixty. Woo! Woo! Um, <laughs> Donate your used sweaters to Wesley. Take it easy. Take it easy. Fuck take, you. take the take the. <laughs> 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 Fucking thing. Fucking a. Oleana or some shit. Right. Something yeah. like that. Oleana. She, she wasn't. Isn't good that at the like test. a fucking? Isn't that like a margarine spread? Mm. That's oleo. Yeah, whatever. Same. And then there's Olestra, which was that like the, the diet oil, stuff oil that, made that you poop. gave you poop. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it didn't really make you poop so much as it made liquid fat run out your asshole, but it's not really the same. <laughs> Nice. That's what it does. Isn't that how uh, there's a diet pill that does the same thing? Yeah, that's, that's, yes. That's, the fat bypasses everything and just leaks out of your butt. You need to, like, wear diapers and stuff, for real. That's a real thing. Uh, Evidently, I've heard, I've heard that the, uh, that there's the, that diet pill actually says in the, like, instructions, like, oh yeah, it's fine to take this before you go to work. Just, you know, we advise you to wear brown pants. No, no. Stop. It must not. It couldn't a, possibly. A, a, a friend I know, a friend who I know who I call bullshit on your actually, friend. Actually, I don't know if he was taking it ever or if he just knew someone that did. Evidently, the instructions said wear brown pants. I am definitely calling shenanigans. I don't know if I believe it. Well, we should get some. I believe... If, if, if you're listening, friend of mine who knows about the brown pants... Call in and out yourself yeah. to the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
Talk about how you shit yourself. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, God. So one thing that minorly...